Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the No Filter Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Dolitsky. It's a pleasure to be back with you all here today. Apologies for not having an episode last week. Just work and school got the better of me. But happy to be back here again discussing some important issues. It's been a busy news week. Um, we, so I was kind of kind of confused as to what I should talk about this week. Things that you should be aware of that happened this week. Um, number one, in my you know area of interest in international relations, there was a coup on the other side of the world in Myanmar, which is I think north northwest of Vietnam. Uh, the military declared that they're the ones in charge. They arrested and detained the pro-democracy leader who won the election fair and square. And now the military has declared a state of emergency for about a year. It's a pretty scary situation. Um, you know, the United States claims, uh, you know, the United States says what it wants to say, how horrible this is, blah, blah, blah. I'm not so sure whether or not we're going to act right now to kind of enforce the democracy there. Um, as my good friend Kyle Solis told me, he was on the podcast not too long ago, um, you know, our democracy needs some work. So whether or not we should be uh, helping instill democracy elsewhere is, a, is, is you know, a question that we should ask ourselves. Uh, it's it's definitely concerning. I'm definitely concerned about whether or not uh, if the country doesn't, you know, end up going into a democracy, what that means for their relationship with China and spreading influence in that region. I'm not sure. I'm sure that there are other people who know much more about this than I do. Not my area of expertise. That's one thing that happened in the world in the past week or so. Another thing, uh, Russia doing bad things as Russia tends to do. They have imprisoned um, the anti-Putin protester, Alexander, what was his name, Navani, something like that. Um, and again, we seem to be taking like a pretty soft stance. I'm not advocating for war, but I am advocating for you know, a serious set of sanctions to go on Russia because it's, it's quite scary, uh, the threat that Russia poses. And I think that the brutality of the regime can be seen in the way that they're handling something like like this. Um, but I, I want to talk about something else because this actually, this bothers me. It bothers me because we shouldn't be having this discussion anymore. And it's just, it's, it, it's, it's, I, I genuinely don't, I'm genuinely bewildered by the fact that this discussion gets brought up, you know, every couple years. It was, it, yeah. President Biden tweeted out today, quote, it's long past time we raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. The American Rescue Plan will get it done, end quote. I, I, it, the problem with the there's so many problems with the minimum wage. And like I said, I don't know why it keeps getting, keeps getting brought up every couple of years. I mean, Bernie campaigned on the his entire campaign was predicated on a living wage, a living wage, a living wage. We have to have a living wage. The minimum wage law needs to be raised. Um, and now, as part of a coronavirus relief package, the president wants to include raising the minimum wage, which which is which is a contradiction in terms. It's a relief package, so let's do something 
which, as I hope I'll discuss shortly, let's do something um, that that is guaranteed to hurt, right? Let's help people by hurting them. Like now, obviously, we're not allowed to phrase it that way, and we have to, we have to, you know, manage so, somehow manage to obscure the economic realities of the minimum wage law, and you know, advocating against the minimum wage law all of a sudden means that you want slavery, um, as I've been accused of. It means that we want people to to starve and people to live like animals. You know all the bad things that get that get thrown apparently at the pages of the introductory textbooks that people use in economics classes. Uh, every single one tells you that a minimum wage is a bad idea. Um, so let's 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 actually discuss that a little bit. Let's discuss the minimum wage law. And I also want to make um, not only just an economic claim, but I also want to make a moral claim, an ethical claim about raising the minimum wage and why it's a bad idea from a moral and ethical perspective. But let's start with the economic perspective. Earlier this, uh, well, I guess it was this past year, in, in, late, in late 2020 when I first began the podcast, I had an episode where I was talking about how a French economist is going to, his theory that he said many years ago was going to help dictate how the history books on the coronavirus pandemic are written. And I once again bring him up again, the great Frederick Bastiat. Bastiat's whole theory, that is colloquially known as the seen versus unseen theory, essentially says that in most economic policies, if not all economic policies that you institute, there is going to be a seen effect and an unseen effect. And one of those classic examples of the seen versus unseen effect is the case of minimum wage. What is a wage? Right? What is and again, by the way, this is not like me philosophizing. I'm thinking that I know a lot about the world. I, I can it, I, I have economic textbooks in my house. I'm happy to, if anyone here disputes what I'm talking talking about, just send you to them. Totally happy to do that. What is a wage? A wage is a price. A wage is a price for labor. In fact, one of the things that Henry Hazlitt in his book, Economics and One Lesson, one of the things that he points out is one of the things that distorts the entire conversation about the minimum wage law is the fact that we don't refer to the wage as a price. Most people are against price controls because we recognize how destructive they are. But those people who are against price controls advocate for a minimum wage, which is strange because what a wage is, is a price. It's the price of labor. So, what happens when you raise the price of labor? Well, let's see. Let's read Story Time with Phil Dulitsky and the No Filter Podcast. Let's read from Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. For those of you following along at home, this is page 135 in Economics in One Lesson. Quote, the first thing that happens, for example, when a law is passed that no one shall be paid less than $106 for 40-hour week, is that no one who is not worth $106 a week to an employer will be employed at all. You cannot make a man worth a given amount by making it illegal for anyone to offer him anything less. You merely deprive him of the right to earn the amount that his abilities and situation would permit him to earn, while you deprive the community even of the moderate services that he is capable of rendering. In brief, for a low wage, you substitute unemployment. You do harm all around with no comparable compensation. 
The only exception to this occurs when a group of workers is receiving a wage actually below its market worth. This is likely to happen only in rare and special circumstances or localities where competitive forces do not operate freely or adequately. But nearly all these special cases could be remedied just as effectively, more flexibly, and with far less potential harm by unionization. End quote. Henry Hazlitt, writing a very long time ago. Now, so, like I said, it, 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 you will essentially price people out of the labor market. Someone who isn't worth $15 an hour to an employer will no longer have a job. Now, here's what's fascinating, okay? Milton Friedman of Blessed Memory used to always say that the minimum wage law was the most anti-Negro law in the book. Those were his words. It was the most anti-Negro law in the book. Because when he, when he was talking, and frankly, probably true today as well, blacks received lower education standards. The standard of education was lower than their white counterparts. So they weren't as educated, which meant that they didn't have necessarily the most amazing skills to be able to enter into the workforce. So what a minimum wage law did was instead of giving those people, those blacks, on-the-job training that's necessary for them to get ahead in life, we priced them out of the labor market. And Milton Friedman was ridiculed for saying that. Oh, well, you're blaming the victim. Here's what's amazing. The minimum wage law was most effectively used by white racists in the South. The history of the minimum wage law in the United States is one of racism, not the fake racism that the university scream exists today. I mean Southern slavery, okay? The minimum wage law, that what white Southerners figured out was, what happens when the blacks want to work with us? We don't want that to happen, the white racist said. But if they're gonna, like, if they're gonna offer to work for less, what do we do? Well, if they can, work, here's the thing, right? If a black person in Southern, you know, Jim Crow era, if a black person goes to a white business owner and wants to only work for, let's say, $3 an hour when he's paying the whites $5 an hour. So now the white business owner can only advocate, can only, sorry, can he can only act on his prejudice, on his racism, if he bears the cost of $2 an hour. And that was too much of a burden on the white businessman's conscience. So you know what they did? They advocated for a minimum wage law. If the law requires that you only pay $5 an hour, you price all the blacks out of the labor market. The minimum wage law is fundamentally a racist policy, as seen in the South. And it goes further than that. If you take a look at The Color Bar, a great book about South African apartheid, Apartheid in South Africa. Apartheid in South Africa was prompted by a very similar policy to minimum wage, which is equal pay for equal work. Equal pay for equal work laws was the reason apartheid in South Africa was able to take off. It priced an entire people out of the labor market. It reduced the cost to zero of imposing prejudice. This is the history of the minimum wage law. And it is totally ignored. It is championed by the people who want social, social justice and who care about the little guy while they ignore the horrific history behind the minimum wage. It was, it was used by white racists in the South and its cousin policy was used 
in South Africa to advance apartheid. This is the minimum wage law that's being advocated. A minimum wage law that increases the, pr the price of labor, that does not correspond to an increase in productivity, which will undoubtedly force the larger companies to absorb the cost, not necessarily by increasing the price, by the way, by the way, it, the people, companies won't necessarily absorb the cost of the increase in the price of labor by increasing the price of the goods. Because what will happen then is what? The customer will likely not buy it, or they'll turn to foreign, um, they'll turn to foreign goods or comparative goods. They won't buy yours. So what happens is you either have people who will end up losing employment completely, you'll have companies that switch to automation instead. And this is why you see companies like Amazon advocating for a $15 minimum wage. Yeah, well, Amazon couldn't care less. They don't mind filling up their entire you know, organization with robots to be able to run the place. It's the mom and pop shop. It's the mom and pop bookstore that needs to be able to pay people whatever they, whatever they deem can uh, can justify the, the cost of, of their work. And then the whole thing, like, oh, well, you're just advocating for slavery. No one's forcing you to take the job. What's so beautiful about the market system is that it's, 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 not, a, it's not a, you know, it's not a win-lose situation. You're agreeing to sell your labor for X amount of money. The employer is willing to pay that for you. And God, and, and we all can, you know, sing by the fire. That's a great, that's a great, that's a great system. So what should the minimum wage be, by the way? Well, don't take my word for it. Here's what a fairly, how should I say, left-leaning newspaper. Let's hear what they thought the minimum wage should be quite some time ago. The right minimum wage, zero dollars and zero cents. That was the headline of an editorial in one of America's most prestigious newspapers. Can you guess which one? The Wall Street Journal, perhaps. Right City, wrong paper. This editorial appeared in the New York Times in 1987. There's a virtual consensus among economists, the Times wrote, that the minimum wage is an idea whose time has passed. You heard it there, folks. There should be no minimum wage. It should be zero. I can hear all the screams behind the podcast, which is pretty impressive because I'm wearing sound-canceling headphones. So that's the, that's the economic case against the minimum wage. But, but there's also a moral case here. There's a moral case here because establishing a minimum wage tells low-skilled workers that they're not allowed to work. You hear that? Tells them, you know, you're not a very effective worker, so we're not going to let you work at all. Imagine a $15 minimum wage. And some poor kid, and I don't mean that in like the colloquial sense, I mean someone who's in poverty, doesn't know much, who let's say didn't go to school. Suppose that he just wants any job to bring home any sort of income to his family. So he takes a job bussing at a restaurant. 
No restaurant pays $15 for a busboy. Just not worth it. Now, that, 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 that poor kid is dying for any type of income. It is inhumane to deprive him of the ability to work freely with a price that he would accept that's below whatever the federal minimum wage is. It, it really is, it really, it really, you know, if, 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 if I think in several years ago, the, you know, the teen unemployment rate was 23.4%. I don't know what it is now. So if it's 23.4%, let's say it's 30%, who knows? Shouldn't we make it easier for people to work? Right, labor, I'm quoting here from an article written by David Talcott in First Things. Labor in all spheres of life, whether economically productive or not, is dignified and dignifying to the worker. Right, we should affirm the goodness of honest work. And the minimum wage law deprives plenty of people from doing that. The minimum wage law will hurt the most disenfranchised. A minimum wage law will hurt those who are hurting the most. I would challenge anyone here, anyone listening, who disagrees with the economics of the minimum wage which would be, I would imagine, unless, unless you're actually going to recite to me Karl Marx's argument in Das Kapital, I, I have no idea what you're going to say. But even if you found a way to understand the economics of it, there is a moral case that you're going to have to get over. There's a moral case that you're going to have to justify of how, you're, of how somehow the minimum wage law is not going to infect and harm the poorest citizens in this great country there's there's a real ethical concern here and unfortunately the real ethical concern is sold on the grounds of helping a lot of people and as once again Milton Friedman of blessed memories to always say those might be the grounds that the program is sold on but what are the facts the facts are the minimum wage is a racist law it has held many people back and will undoubtedly be an unethical law, an immoral law, by targeting the most vulnerable people we have. Those are things to chew on, by the way. And what's sad about the current state of affairs is that I can't get a bipartisan coalition to tell the president he's wrong. It is wrong to increase the minimum wage. It is wrong economically, as every student of economics will tell you, and it is wrong morally. So I hope that those friends on the other side of the political spectrum who are listening can join hands with me here in making it clear that the minimum wage law, raising it, is bad. And it might, it might actually be evil. So, Mr. Biden, Mr. President, please, don't be that stupid. Don't raise the minimum wage.
Well, I guess this podcast today turned to Economics 101, which I happen to be taking. Yeah. Well, friends, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Phil Dolitsky. You're listening to the No Filter Podcast. And until next time, have a great day.